my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off Podcast Show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope that wherever you are in the world listening to this show, that you're having a great day. Remember that the HR Sound Off Podcast Show is created by an HR professional for HR professionals and HR adjacent professionals, magnifying HR voices. And today I am here to magnify the voice of the amazing Ivory Johnson. Ivory, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's Thursday. I'm doing great. Excited for the weekend, but it's been a really good week. How are you? Wonderful. I'm doing good. I'm doing good, I must say. Um, It is a public holiday today here in Barbados. It is our National Independence Day. And I am just glad to just be going with the flow, but having a great conversation with you today. (laughs) So why don't we kick off by telling our audience a little bit about who is Ivory Johnson? Now you are in the DEI space. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about how you got into DEI. Yeah, it's an interesting story and I love to tell it. I never wanted to be in HR. I never wanted to be in DEI. I actually wanted to be a doctor. Um, I went to school mm-hmm. to, for pre-med. Um, well, I started off that way and then I actually dropped out of school Okay. and started doing data analytic work at Capital One. And then I met my mentor there and she was in HR and she was doing military recruiting And I was fascinated by the work that she was doing Mm -hmm. and it touched me and I knew like I wanted to make an impact. I didn't know in what space and that's the reason why I wanted to go to the medical field in the first place, but (laughs) I knew I wanted to make an impact. So I followed her, I shadowed her and learned about different communities, learned about some of the, the gaps and like systemic inequities that exist. And that's the problem I wanted to solve. So I went mm-hmm. back to school, mm-hmm. got my degree in organizational management, got my master's. And then from there, I didn't know where I wanted to work, what the role was. I just knew I just wanted to be in HR. Yeah. I seen the movie, the internship, like it was based on Google. And I seen that people that looked very different from what I experienced in like corporate America, financial right. banking looked very different mm-hmm. and you could show up and be yourself. Yeah. And I was, I remember saying, I want to work there. Whatever I need to do to get there, I want to work there. Um, So I created a methodical plan on how I would get to Google. And that was through recruiting and then getting into DEI. Um, I remember remember interviewing for roles right out of college, trying to get like a recruiting or HR role. And I was discriminated against because I identify as a masculine presenting um, uh, queer woman. And Mm -hmm. um, it when I when I looked at the folks around me, no one looked like me. So um, I was discriminated against. I was getting rejected from interviews and my pronouns were not being honored in interviews and things like that. And I knew I didn't want anyone else to feel that way. So that just fueled my fire around, I need to get into DEI. Mm-hmm. Um, so I finally got to DEI at Google and wow. that's really where 
it shaped my entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to do some really fascinating things at Google, really make impact across different spaces, mm-hmm. and then see the amount of impact that I can make on a smaller scale at smaller companies. And I've been doing that ever since. So I left Google, went to Twitter, um, went to better.com, and now I'm at ChartHop. I've been at ChartHop for the last two years, and I'm leading all of people, talent, and DEIB. Wow. That is an amazing story indeed, Ivory. I want to break this down a little bit and delve into some of the things that you mentioned. So I know so many people, we always go, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? No one ever says they want to be in HR, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) But to go from actually pursuing a career in medicine to then switching it up completely into going into HR, what was it about your mentor that really inspired you to say, look, this is really where I want to be? Yeah, that's a really great question. If she's watching this video, I think she would she would be honored by what I'm going to say. But mm-hmm. um, she identifies as a um, cisgender white woman. And she recognized early on, and this was back in before DIU came on landscape in like the tech industry. Right. But um, she really wanted to, she recognized that there was a gap with military talent, underrepresented mm-hmm. talent at scale at right. organizations, especially at Capital One. And she wanted to make a difference. So she right. created her own role. She began to think through like what this can look like working with partners across the country to be able to bring the talent into Capital One. And that was truly inspiring that someone that isn't a part of this community is leading this charge, right? Like yeah. that was so inspiring. And mm-hmm. I knew that she, you know, she's an ally and yeah. she's trying to use her privilege to be able to create space and open doors for those that are historically shut yeah. out. Um, yeah. So that was inspiring. And I wanted to do the same. Yeah. So she wasn't just talking about it. She was actually yeah. being about it. She exactly. Was what she was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. What advice would you have for any of our listeners today when it comes to looking for the right mentor? Yeah. Um, I would say just look for someone that, well, I would say a few things. Um, If you're in a space where you're trying to transition a role or you're just curious about what else is out there, look for someone that is in a role that interests you. Mm-hmm. Get to know what they do, shadow them, ask them mm-hmm. to bring you on a project, volunteer, things like that. That could be a really good mentoring relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Additionally, like look for someone that inspires you, the characteristics that you want to grow into and into like leadership or into your career. Maybe someone possesses that, like Mm -hmm. find those people because they will be able to help you get to where you want to go in your career and help Mm -hmm. um, give you the guidance and support through that. Um, I also think mentorship is good, but I think sponsorship is Mm. actually even better. Better. You can find a sponsor that can that can speak your name in in places where you're not actually in. So if you're in a meeting or if you're in a performance review or if there's a role at another company and they think of you, that sponsor is going to be key to be be able to help you get your next role or next opportunity or even your board member seat, right? Like there's so many opportunities there. So seek mentorship and seek sponsorship. I love that because I think sometimes we don't recognize the difference between Mm -hmm. either of them. And sometimes I know... I'm very guilty of it. Sometimes I go on a call with someone and they go, well, Julie, tell me how I can support you. I've learned over the years now to say, please say my name in spaces where I can't be. But Mm -hmm. in the past, I never would have thought to even 
feel empowered enough to say to someone that's yeah. asking me how I can help you say my name mm-hmm. where I, I in rooms that you know I can't be in or I'm at this time that yeah. I'm not in those rooms say my name that is powerful yeah very, that is very powerful. powerful I love that Ivory yeah. thank you for sharing that yeah so I want to ask you this as you've navigated your HR career and you've come to the space of DEI, what does DEI mean for you? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, for me, DEI is, you know, I think we all know like the definitions of the acronyms, but yes, I think, you know. mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's, it's mostly around like breaking down the systemic barriers that exist against um, mar- historically marginalized communities. Mm-hmm. Um, Ensuring that your organizations are as representative um, and not just from a race perspective, but even thinking through um, intersectionality and um, non-traditional backgrounds, right? Like making sure that we have the brightest people at our organizations from all walks of life Mm -hmm. so that we can create the most innovative companies. I think that's going to be so powerful when yeah. whenever someone cracks the code and I think anyone has cracked the code even scratched the surface yet I think we're still trying to figure it out yeah. um but I think um in this space there are many people like me that are doing really really good things and mm-hmm. they are they may be small things it may be someone's running a a a um, partnership program mm-hmm. to increase increase pipeline five years from now for women in tech. Right. Like those are things that are really great, yeah. but we're not going to see that now. We're not going right. to see, the, we're not going to see the impact of that in a week, a year from now. We'll see that five to 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. And I think all we're trying to do right now is make sure that we can implement the smallest things that we can see the huge impact years from now or decades from now. Um, yeah. Cause it's going to take a lot to change. Like there's, there's so much Look. systemic inequities that exist that yeah. we can't break it down that easily. Yeah. You said something really powerful when you were not explaining your career. You said that there were people who were honoring your pronouns mm-hmm. um, and how you represented yourself. And that struck me because as you think about it from the space of your, you know, being a member of the LGBTQ community, I come with a different, with two different lenses. I come at it from a lens as a woman of color who is curvy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I come at it from a woman of color who is also neurospicy. Mm-hmm. I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times when I think about what going into organizations and working in spaces as an HR professional looks like for me, because I do not look like every other HR professional. I may not show up like every other HR professional. I know how much that impacts me, especially if I've heard someone talk about my curviness in a way that made me feel like I didn't belong. And so when we think about those different things and you say DI is so much more than that what are your thoughts when it comes to the obvious the things that we see but we're not talking about where inclusion and diversity is concerned around curviness neural spiciness disabilities Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on those things as well yeah um 
I don't think I don't think a lot of companies are even focused there. Um, I do think right now there is a huge spike in um, companies committing to like more disability inclusion, which is great to see. Yeah. Um, however, it's the, it's it's the little things, and I think it's more around like education, yeah. education and embracing being uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Like especially as women of color, mm-hmm. um, a lot of a lot of the things that, that you see going around social media is about our hair. And then people oh, touch yeah. our hair or com- commenting on uh-huh. our hair. <laughs> so, and I, I, um, I understand that, you know, asking from someone that is not of color is, mm-hmm. is, is, is not mean to be um, any type of like disrespect or anything like that. Yeah. But there are underlying meanings to all of these things that we need to educate folks on. Right. And I think I think we're getting there. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot more education that needs to happen, but I don't think the education is happening because yeah. there's a sense of uncomfortability around certain topics. Mm-hmm. And I think as organizations begin to scale, as organizations begin to roll out their DEI initiatives, you have to be able to embrace the uncomfortability of some of these conversations mm-hmm. and it should start with your leadership team and yes. being models of that. Yes. Um, if it's coming from DEI, if it's coming from HR, it's never going to work and it will fail mm-hmm. each and every time. Yes. The leadership team has to embody those things. Mm-hmm. We have to be accepting of people as they are and understand that some of our comments are not okay. And we need to explain why they aren't okay. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think people are also so uncomfortable with being wrong mm-hmm. or feeling like they hurt someone. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's more than just I do th- I do think that a big part of it is education, but I think it's also a lot of inner work that happened that needs to happen, yeah. and that's yeah. on some that that's someone else's responsibility that DI professionals, HR professionals, leadership has no control over. Yeah. So someone yeah. has to be willing to go through that process too, and everyone's on their own journey. So mm-hmm. I do think we have a long time to get there, but we we're do. just scratching the surface. We definitely are scratching the surface. I feel like for me, it took a while to be even able to feel comfortable to have conversations about my body type that didn't make me feel uncomfortable because I just felt like people tried to make me feel like it was wrong to be curvy Mm -hmm. or like I didn't deserve to exist because I was curvy and no one ever deserves to feel that way. And I think the first set of freedom that I really felt was after I read Dr. Joy Cox's book on fat girls in black bodies. Mm -hmm. That did something for me that made me able to say, look, I feel more empowered to have these conversations about body types and body shaming in the workplace because it doesn't happen enough. And that's to your point. There's a lot of organizations that aren't talking about it, but yet still they have these various biases about what someone looks like in a position. Mm-hmm. When you think about the work that you're doing at Chart Hop and work that you've done in DEI over all the years that you've been focused on DEI, what would you say you are proudest of? Mm-hmm. I'm proudest. Uh, so some of the things that I, um, after leaving Google and, and then after leaving Twitter, I went to some smaller startups. And um, usually those startups were, um, especially junior employees, they didn't come from the tech industry, mm-hmm. um, came from like traditional banking and mm-hmm. other organi- other industries as well. Mm-hmm. And when they see me come in as head of DEI or VP of people, they 
they were shocked, but also inspired and excited to see someone like me mm-hmm. um, in this role. So I think one thing that I'm really pow- proud of is being able to walk in my journey and mm-hmm. being able to create pathways for others that are like me and know mm-hmm. that you can exist, you can yeah. get here and mm-hmm. it's possible. And I will, I will make sure I'll show you how to get here, but you can. And I think that's what I'm most proud of. Um, especially I think I just earlier today, I got, just got a call with someone and they were like, you know, it's, it's rare to see a black woman, but also a queer woman, um, that is masculine presenting in this role. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm so excited to see it and I'm excited to see what you do. Mm -hmm. And that, that inspired me and that Mm -hmm. made me happy. I knew that I was doing something right. Yeah. What advice do you have for anyone listening to this podcast today that's struggling to be their true self in their HR role and develop themselves? What advice do you have for them? Yeah. My advice, um, I think we I think we all go through imposter syndrome. I, I still mm-hmm. go through it, even even at my level. And um the one thing that I tell myself is I am capable. I did it. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can too. You have to believe in yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you believe in yourself, you can do anything. And Mm -hmm. it's the smallest thing, right? Like I I think our parents maybe told us that when we were young. If you believe in it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. But it's so powerful. I believe that I could get to Google and I did. Mm -hmm. And it it took a lot of work, but I did, right? And everyone knows that it's hard to get into Google. But I said I wanted to be head of DEI and I did it. Mm-hmm. And I'm working with an amazing CEO right now that mm-hmm. is a dream and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. And oh. I just say to everyone out there that's listening, if there's something you want to do, if you want to cr- transition your career to engineering, do it. Find the people that are in the roles that you want to get into. Use the resources around you. Ask for help. Do not be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I did. And it helped me. So please do it. And if you ever need any advice, please connect with me. I'm happy to help you. Here. Definitely. (laughs) Believe in yourself. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. You know, as you were saying that, I was just thinking of a movie in my head. Have you ever watched John Wick? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, when at the beginning, when the guy's describing John Wick and he says that he is focused and full of sheer will and determination. Yeah. <laughs> Just reminded me so much of John Wick. <laughs> I love that. So ivory. <laughs> well done. Well done. What are you excited about in DEI right now? Yeah. I think the thing that I'm most excited about is um like a lot of organizations have done really good things with and I, I say fluffy stuff because mm. I say like ERGs, events, bringing speakers in are yeah. all like the fun and comfortable stuff. Right. Um, and we all want to lean into it and do it. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about exploring more around the harder things, like yeah. things that are uncomfortable. I want to have the uncomfortable conversations. So at Chart Hop, one thing that we um, were able to launch is um, a program called Chart Talk. Mm-hmm. And every month we bring our employees together and it's optional, but we usually have about like 50 to 60% participation rates. Nice. And 
our employees come together and we talk about hard topics. Like Mm -hmm. when the Roe v. Wade decision happened, we came Mm -hmm. together, we talked about it. We talked about how people were feeling. It was Mm -hmm. a space to educate each other. So we're just holding space for each other. And it is Mm -hmm. so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're having some of these uncomfortable conversations and and everyone feels like it's a safe space. So it's been really good to help educate our employees and then Mm -hmm. also have them share what they're going on. It's like, it's, it's a place of vulnerability as well. So yeah, that has been very, very inspiring. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things that chart hop is like my executive team is they are leaders in this with me. And I, I've never had that before. And it's, wow. it's so, it feels so good. Mm-hmm. Um, like they keep me honest and they want to see more from DEI and mm-hmm. they want to have these uncomfortable conversations. They want to push the envelope a little bit um, yeah. because we want to be stewards in this work. And we want to, we, we want to be able to solve some of these challenges. We may not see it now, but yeah. um, I know that we do. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited to be able to have the hard conversations, to be able to lean into the uncomfortability um, mm-hmm. and be able to break down some of these systemic barriers that exist and then educate the industry on what we've done. That's definitely exciting. I always love it when I hear people talk about what's happening in their organization as well. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you guys are doing some really great stuff at ChartHop. So kudos to you. Thank you. My last question to you on DEI before we move on to the next part of this um, interview. What advice would you give to HR professionals or even DEI? I want to say specifically DEI professionals right now, because I know certain legislations changed in the U.S. and I know a lot of organizations went back on having DEI departments. Um, But there there was a lot of conversation that I was hearing on LinkedIn around DEI professionals feeling like they were just a token hire and they wanted to do so much more in the organization, but they weren't able to do it. What advice would you give to those professionals who may be struggling right now with should they stay in DEI or how to empower themselves a bit more to get out of their organizations what they really want? Yeah. I think, um, I do think like when, um, you know, during the pandemic when George Floyd and Mm -hmm. all that occurred, um, a lot of companies committed to things that they just weren't able to continue, Um, especially the climate that we're, the economic climate that we're in right now, it's tough for organizations to even continue with the amount of people they have. Like we're seeing reduction in forces everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And the one place where you're seeing it is in HR. Um, HR and then some of your GNA roles like marketing and um, finance, but Mm -hmm. mostly HR. And unfortunately, DEI is a part of HR and that's being cut as well. So I would say for anyone that is in a place where maybe they're burnt out or maybe they feel like they're not making the impact that they want, Mm -hmm. um, I would level set with yourself um, and really think through what is what are the things that you want to accomplish in your DEI journey, your DEI career? Mm -hmm. And is this organization serving that purpose for you? If it's not, then there's nothing you can do about that. Um, you can, you can continue to advocate for yourself. You can continue to, um, create programs and create strategy, but if you do not have the buy-in, if you do not have the support, it will go nowhere and it will fail each and every time. Mm -hmm. Um, actually spoke to someone a couple of weeks ago as well. And a lot of companies are hiring like directors of DEI and it's only the one person and there's no team, no resources. Um, that person is going to fail. 
going to. Each and every time. Because everything falls on them. And they're the only one driving it. Um, In our reality, you have to be able to have um, someone that can drive the strategy, do the work, and be embedded into the business and the organization. One person can't do that. No. Um, And organizations are setting them up for failure. And that's why you're seeing more and more DEI professionals leave the tech industry. They're going and creating their own consulting organizations because they think it's going to be better that way. And it may be. Um, so I would say like really assess if the organization is good for you. And if not, um, really position yourself to think through like, what is next for you? Mm -hmm. How can you make the impact that you want? Mm -hmm. If that's fractional work, if that's consulting, if that's being on a board or being a, um, maybe on like a advisory board to a product and helping the product think through like inclusion efforts there. There's so much you can do to be able to find that impact until you are able to make that jump, but, um, Mm -hmm. just assess. Great advice. Yeah. Assess, make sure you're in the right organization in the first place. Otherwise, you're going to be spinning in mud. Make yep. sure that you have a team that supports you. And I think that raises to the point around, you know, a lot of times I hear people say DEI should be standalone. But I think DEI and HR should go hand in hand and work together. I think that it does create a better experience for the organization when they can see DEI and HR working together. But understand what each other does and I feel like it's fantastic that you come from an HR background into DEI um, Mm -hmm. that makes it so much more easy for you to appreciate and understand where HR is coming from and that they can understand where you're coming from and you can educate them more on the DEI piece yeah makes sense yeah I actually think um a lot of people have asked me like what's my what's what I guess like what's my opinion on if HR should I mean if DI should be under HR should it should yeah. be standalone and I think when it's standalone you feel disconnected from the people work because yeah. DI is all about people as people. well mm-hmm. so you feel disconnected um but when you're a part of HR sometimes you feel like you don't have a seat at the table um and you feel like you have to advocate to maybe the chief people officer and hope that they advocate at the executive level and hope that DI is a conversation there and it's not. Right. Um, so like one thing that I really love about like my role currently is I joined ChartHop as the head of DEI and then moved into people and DEI mm-hmm. um, reporting into our CEO. And what I am seeing is that there is some magic that's happening because I'm able to look at all of our people processes and policies and making sure that they're fair and equitable. Yeah. And then I'm able to build DEI programming um, that supports some of our employees' needs that we get from like our engagement surveys and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then from like a, embedding it into the business, I have business partners that um, are also trained to be inclusion experts. So they mm-hmm. are they are supporting and guiding managers through the lens of inclusion. And I'm able to see like how this is closing some of the gaps around um, some of the decision-making that we do at the business level and making sure that we are doing things fair and equitably. And it's, I'm I'm uncovering something. And I wonder if chief people officers should also be chief DI officers. Now that's an interesting question. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something for people to think about who are listening to this episode today. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Ivory, you are very busy. <laughs> so tell me, what do you do? And, and it's a very serious role that you perform for your organization. What do you do to take care of yourself? Yeah. 
I will be honest. I probably don't take care of myself enough. Um, I am probably like, and I think maybe a lot of HR people have unhealthy habits with work, especially like a lot of us are maybe still remote. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, I'm, I work for a remote company and you know, it's, it is actually really hard to separate yourself from home and work. Right. So if I get a ping at 8 PM, I'm looking at it and I'm responding. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I need to be better at that. I, I definitely mo- I definitely try to make sure that my team doesn't do that, but I do it. Right. And I need mm-hmm. to model that behavior to make sure that they don't either. Um, but I think one, I went on a retreat, I think it was earlier this month. I was invited to a people op leaders retreat through a company called Retreat. And mm-hmm. it was about 25 HR leaders together. We went to Cancun. It was great. And it was all about just holding space for us to talk about some of the things that are going on in our organizations, Mm -hmm. educating each other, talking about best practices. And I realized that that was self-care for myself, was being able to find people that are in roles like me and being able to vent about maybe some of the things that we hate, right? Or some of the things that we want to change and we don't know how to go about doing it. Mm -hmm. And it was so refreshing to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I came back to work the next week and I realized like, that was self-care for me. That yeah. was being able to know that I was not alone in this. That's and um, it felt really good. So that's just one way. Um, I also play sports and everything here in Atlanta mm-hmm. and, and try to take care of myself that way. But mm-hmm. that experience was so powerful. Nice. You know, yeah. self-care means different things to different people. So I'm glad to hear you describe that. But I'm also appreciative of your honesty in that you recognize that you may not do it the best way that you could for yourself. And it's a constant process of learning how to take better care of yourself. Because, uh, you know, a happy, healthy HR leader creates happy, healthy HR teams, creates exactly. happy, healthy organizations. Exactly. So you got to be the ripple and be the change that you want to see, Ivory. Definitely, definitely. That's a little bit of coaching one-on-one for you. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's my goal uh, Mm -hmm. starting December 1st um, is to practice better habits and ensure that my team is doing that also, but also sharing that out to the organization as well. Beautiful. I love it. Good for you. Yeah. What are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would appreciate? Yeah, there's two two things that I've been reading lately and it's mm-hmm. two newsletters. Okay. Um, one is welcome. I hate it here. I don't know if you've heard I it. I love Heather yes. Yusuf. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Hands down. Yes. She's been yes. on the show too. Fantastic. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. I love it. I live for it every week. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's re- especially for, um, for me and my team. And it's something that I share with my team as well, but um, being able to, just tap into the advice of other HR mm-hmm. leaders, insights and learnings. It's so powerful. And I, I mm-hmm. truly love it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is around race ahead mm-hmm. um, and being able to just understand um, different issues around like uh, race related topics yeah. um, that are top of mind. I think that's something that that comes to mind for me as well. Those are mm-hmm. two that have been top of mind for me the last couple of months. Awesome. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Yeah. The big question. What is the biggest misconception about HR slash DEI that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Yeah. Um, for HR specifically, I think it's that, um, I think I posted this on LinkedIn recently. It's recognizing that um, a lot of companies are doing risks right now, and it's recognizing that your HR team is not an expert in all things HR. No. Nope. At all. 
Mm-hmm. We may know a little bit of something to be dangerous, but um, we're not experts in it all. And HR is so broad that there is mm-hmm. no way that we can know everything about every discipline in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, so in order to have a successful people-centric organization and people function, you have to make sure that you have the resources in place to be able to support um, your people in the best way. Yeah. You can't expect your recruiting team to do people ops and you can't mm-hmm. expect um, comp comp teams to be able to recruit. Like it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to have the right people in place mm-hmm. um, or the mechanisms, mechanisms in place to be able to educate and teach those folks to be able to get there. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's going to fail. That's um, so that's the HR piece. On the DEI side, um, the, visit, the biggest misconception, I think, is organizations either hire DEI professionals or have DEI programs and are expecting results immediately. You're not going to see the results immediately. Mm-hmm. You will, we will be able to tell you how we're trending. We'll be able to tell you what we're looking to see the impact and how far away we are from that impact. But right. We won't see it immediately. This is a long-term strategy. This is not. Mm. This is not a race. Yeah. This is not a race. This is a journey. So, mm-hmm. do not expect your DEI team to be able to come to you every month saying we surpassed um, Black representation goals. No, it's not going to mm-hmm. happen that way. Um, you have to be able to give them the the investment to be able mm-hmm. to make the changes that you want for the long term. Mm-hmm. Those are two very powerful things. Yeah. We are not experts on everything. It's impossible to be experts on everything. And this is the same conversation that I keep having across HR all the time. When you are a department of one, you are a jack of all trades and a master of none. Yeah. Um, and that's okay if that's if that's what you like as a generalist. To specialize comes with greater power. You have more knowledge and expertise that's when you can say subject matter experts to for the most part um i think that that's something that we need to recognize and we need to translate to the business so i absolutely agree with that and from a dei perspective recognizing that it is not a sprint it is a marathon you got to stay the course mm-hmm. You can't see everything all at once because Rome wasn't built in a day and systemic issues and all the other issues we have did not happen overnight and they didn't happen in a silo in your organization. They were embedded in beliefs that each individual that comes into your organization developed as a child into adulthood. You're trying to change something that people slowly but surely were ingrained into their minds about people from their childhood. Mm-hmm. It takes time. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah. This was a great conversation, Ivory. Thank you so yeah. much for being here and sharing space with me today. I appreciate you. I applaud you. I'm proud of you. Keep on yeah. doing great things. Tell our audience that is listening to this show today where they can connect with you on social media if they want to ask you to become their mentor or their sponsor. <laughs> how they want to learn more about DEI yeah. and your story, how can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just look me up, reach out to me. I am happy to connect with you. I make time for these things. Mentorship is very important to me. Um, or if it's just to share some advice and best practices that I have. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you can reach out to me. Um, I have my professional website, ivoryjohnson.com. Feel free to reach out there as well. 
Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. What's next for Ivory Johnson? Yeah, what's next for me is continuing to build ChartHop. Um, there's some exciting things on the horizon, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, and I really want to build a world-class organization. So I'm excited for what we're going to be able to accomplish. Awesome. Well, we wish you all the best. And don't be a stranger. You're welcome here anytime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.